0: Today we have former Hawkeye running back LaShawn Daniels back with us as we break down the hiring of Tim Lester. How do we fix this Hawkeye offense and what kind of change do we anticipate to see? The offseason is here. What are workouts like for a Hawkeye? And we will talk a little women's basketball as they prepare for a big one on the road to Maryland. All today, Locked on Hawkeye. You are locked on Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome in. I'm Trent Condit. He's LaShawn Daniels, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We're available wherever you find podcasts, and you can also watch us on YouTube, While you're there, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. LaShawn, good to see you again. Got the new gig, but the still same place that you've been doing the podcast here outside of our live appearance in Wrigleyville back before the Iowa-Northwestern game. Uh, speaking of that, Iowa was in town women's basketball against Northwestern earlier in the week. Did you make it over to Evanston and uh, watch the ladies in action?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, I definitely wanted to head out there, but when I was looking at the ticket prices, it, <laughs> <laughs> they were... Astronomically high and although yeah, I could afford it, but I wasn't going to pay that type of money for uh, you know, basketball game on a, on a weekday. even though, you know, Caitlin Clark is worth the price of admission, but yeah, uh, it was crazy. I mean, like there was like the lines just to get into the stadium for, you know, Northwestern women uh, basketball game was insane. So it really just tells you the kind of effect that, you know, Caitlin Clark and, you know, the I women's basketball team has on the
0: sport. It's incredible. We'll talk a little bit more about that, get the scene set for the weekend in hoops, but a lot of football talk here and we open things up. So our first time conversing since it became official, Tim Lester is the new offensive coordinator for Iowa. A lot of different directions to go with this one on the surface. And one thing that I've talked about quite a bit this week, LaShawn, is I called it an uninspiring hire. And it's not to say that it's a bad hire or that he's going to be bad or anything like that. It just was not the splash that Maybe I hope for, and again, the likelihood of Kirk Ferentz going out there and you know, hiring a guy like a young guy like Tommy Reese or the UNLV offensive coordinator that we talked about, you know, it's not likely. And and that's what sometimes you got to remind yourself. we got to live in reality, something like that. But when your final two at a program like Iowa are two guys that are out of work, Tim Lester had a offensive coordinator job set up at Troy. Kevin John still doesn't have a job uh, that we know about at this point in time. And, and because of that, I just, I wonder, I wanted Iowa to, I don't know, try for more. And maybe they did, and they just didn't get the pushback, or the fit wasn't there. But that that was kind of the thing that maybe has bothered me most. It's not about Tim Lester, him on a loan. It's just, I thought that there would be maybe more traction, more people interested in the Iowa offensive coordinator job.
1: You know, uh, that's a very interesting take, and I definitely agree, like, yeah, I think it presents the Iowa OC job presented a unique opportunity for, uh, you know, an exciting coach to come in here and, and really, you know, transform what the Iowa offense looks looked at because I mean, especially the way you've, you've seen it over the past few years, it has been good. Like this would been an excellent opportunity because heck, I mean, if you're even marginally better, right, it's going to make it seem like you're an absolute rock star, um, opportunity wise. But I think something that probably played a part in both uh, the candidates they attracted and the candidates that they essentially went after. I think Coach Ferentz and the Iowa staff, just based on how they're built, you look at the staff right now, a lot of the staff has been uh, with Coach Ferentz in some way, shape, or fashion for a very, very long time. And I think when it came to looking for an offensive coordinator spot, um, and I think they're looking for someone who's going to be able to provide stability for i think an extended period of time not a person who's going to come in here essentially transform the 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 offense and then you know maybe after after three years of good you know offensive play then go ahead and take a job i think they're really looking Mm -hmm. for someone who's had the stability in in the past and then uh was planning on you know keeping that stability at the university of iowa for quite some time and i think when you look at some of those more exciting candidates, like you mentioned, like a, like a guy like Tommy Reese. Like, I mean, he's got, I'm sure he's got lots of aspiration. The fact that he's gone from, you know, Notre Dame to Bama, right? That he's been you know, multiple places in a short period of time. I think something like that wasn't something that Coach Barron and the staff, I think, were looking for when it comes to offensive coordinator, although it would have been super exciting for us. Um, I think he's really trying to find some potential long-term stability, and I think that's really
0: what tracking them to, to Tim Western and, and bring him on. You know, one of the names that was thrown out right away after the firing of Brian back in October was Ryan Grubb. His connections to the state of Iowa was doing great jobs and eventually helping lead Washington to the national championship game. I do know that conversations were had that there was a contact there. But uh, the way that I understand it, and I don't know exactly the validity to this, is At minimum, there had to be kind of a wink and a nod. Hey, if you get this thing turned around, you're going to be almost the acting head coach. And knowing Kirk Ferentz for an outsider to get that kind of role, it just didn't seem like. You understand Ryan Grubb. I mean, this is a guy that continues to ascend. Heck, he might be on his way back to Seattle right now and become the Seahawks offensive coordinator. So, you know, this is a guy that continues to build his resume. And if he's going to make this kind of leap and take on the kind of endeavor that it is to fix the Iowa offense, you knew that was going to be something there. And culture fit my buddy biz yesterday he was on the pod with me and one thing he talked about is this Iowa football culture you can speak to it as well as anybody finding that right fit everybody says that it doesn't matter what you're hiring for you know what kind of position it is you know, whatever you're doing everybody always says you got to have the right fit it's got to fit our culture it feels like at least for me as an outsider culture fit those kind of things is more important to Iowa football than almost any other endeavor out there
1: yeah I, I would agree with that like um when you think when you look at all the staff I at, at Iowa, I mean, even back when I was playing and you look at them now, like everyone on the staff kinda has the, the same mentality, uh, so to speak, where hey, like we since we've been underdogs our entire life, we're gonna take the players who fit the things that, that we love to do, and that's being tough, being smart, being physical football players, and then helping develop these guys into um essentially you know, really, really good college football players and uh, great young men. And I think that's like probably the biggest thing when you look at the the coaches on the staff, like those, like those have been their goals as as a unit ever since that. I've been there since before I've been there. And as it's uh, been currently, I mean, uh, all the guys you, you look at your when people talk about the Iowa roster, um, they're like, man, these guys play smart. They play tough. They play physical every single week that they're out there. And then, you know, you guys get to the NFL and people happen to say the same things, right? Like those are things that um, have been ingrained into the Iowa football players. And that obviously starts from top at with coach parents through the rest of it, through the rest of the assistant coaches, all the way down to the players. And that's the biggest thing. I think when it comes to looking at the culture of the, of the Iowa football um, building, like those are the things that they're, that they're really looking for. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe some of the other candidates that they that they talked with, you know, maybe just didn't quite fit. Maybe didn't work that way. Or, hey, maybe they just, you know, were interested in some other things. But um, culture fit, I feel like it's something that's going to be was a pretty big deal um, when it comes to when it came to coach parents looking for you know additional coaches to bring in. It's going to be the same same deal with bringing in a receiver coach as well. Like how how are these guys going to fit in the culture here that we have at Iowa? Because, you know, you're not going to get as well as greatest recruits as we can get. We're not going to get, uh, you know, five-star recruits, um, you know, in and out on a weekend-weekend on a basis, like, a, like Alabama, like Ohio State. It doesn't happen. But these guys, they, they believe in the guys they do bring in, and they're going ahead, and they're going to develop these guys into really, really good football players um, from, you know, just kind of just uh, the bare bones that they got with them. So when it comes to having that culture fit, I think that developmental piece and uh, making sure that they – can bring that smart, tough, physical Iowa football play to the the players that they're dealing with, I think is a pretty big deal when it comes to the the culture within the Iowa
0: football building. Well, they did get a five-star. Caden Proctor out of the transfer portal comes back home. And now there's some violations to go along with it. We'll talk about that. And how do we get this offense fixed? What is Tim Lester going to do? Does the RPO scheme work with what Kirk Ferentz wants to do? We'll talk about that as we continue Locked on Hawkeyes. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday, of course, watching the game, getting that right spot on the couch. If you got a bunch of people around, you're going to a party, find a good spot and get your best football snacks. For me, that's wings every single time. A little buffalo, maybe a little parmesan on there. Oh, so good. Now, Super Bowl Sunday is not just about the game, the food, the commercials. It's also about Super Bowl bets and for me, starting from the beginning of the game, of course, heads or tails on the coin flip. Yeah, you got to jump on that one right away. But so many props that are available at FanDuel. Lay out the game. How is it going to play out? That's how you build your prop menu. And FanDuel has as many props as anybody you're going to find. So many different ways for you to end the season with FanDuel with the W or two or even three, and a whole lot more. Not only can you bet on who's going to win Super Bowl 58 with the Chiefs and the 49ers, FanDuel also has bets for which player will score a touchdown, scoring multiple touchdowns in a game, how many points will be scored, yardage totals, and on and on. There is so much more at FanDuel. New customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com to sign up. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on make every moment more with FanDuel an official sportsbook partner of the NFL Trent LaShawn back with you again on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day your team every day that's what we do here on the Locked On Network LaShawn let's jump into what this is going to look like in, in implementing a new offense now when you arrived on campus at Iowa it was going into year number two of Greg Davis. The first season as he was high school senior was a disaster. It was trying to marry the zone-blocking scheme with his horizontal passing game. It was brutal. Um, I told the story before. I looked over at my buddy at halftime at Soldier Field Northern Illinois game, and I said, I hate the Greg Davis offense. <laughs> and it was awful in that first year. Now, you guys improved and made a lot of improvements, and I think – it was more kind of a mirroring of the two different styles and schemes. But after that first year, Kirk something said something to the lines of, I think Greg's understanding now how to be an Iowa coach. Um, I do wonder with this now in this transition, you have to anticipate it's certainly going to be more smooth than what we saw back then.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would agree agree with that. I mean, uh, coach Ferrance has been through, I guess now multiple offensive coordinators trying to, um, you know, do their system. Um, so is it really like going to be like this second, um, you know, really like main um, switch of the offensive system that you're going to be bringing here? Because um, you have, you know, Coach Davis back in, in 2012. And, yeah, uh, had a lot of rough patches for sure, um, uh, especially with the things that Coach Davis was doing prior to his time at Iowa. You look at some of his offenses. It is very vastly different than what Iowa has tri- traditionally done. The thing with, with Tim Lester one one big deal that he's um, you know has been doing through his time as an offensive uh, coach has, been the fact that it's been a lot of zone blocking, um, it's been a lot of running the ball in, in general. Um, so that's going to be, I feel like, a, a much easy uh, marriage uh, for the Iowa football offense. Um, but obviously, adding some adding in some new new wrinkles. So um, when you have the the post snap RPOs, I think that's been like really one of his one of his big things. Uh, when you look at all this all the offenses that he's helped uh coach and especially at, at western Michigan uh the RPO system was something that was very very big with with him and it'll be very interesting I think to see uh I will implement that because we had RPOs with the Greg Davis offense um but it was it wasn't like a post-snap RPO where it's like you're essentially running an option play it was more of like a pre-snap RPO where it was hey depending like we have say we have like an inside zone called one way um, and we have, you know, maybe like twins to uh, the field side. So you got two receivers and, you know, we'll have like, maybe we'll have like a bubble call to, to that side. And if you know, they're playing way off or, you know, if they bring a blitz that uh, we can't pick up, Hey, see, uh, you can kind of tell what the, the pre-snap look, CJ so they snap the ball, toss it out there. This is going to be a little bit different when the fact where it's going to be like, if if they go ahead and go go with this route with yeah. um you know Tim Lester and things that he's done um where it's like hey you snap the ball and now you're you're reading it as you're going through it so now you have to there's, there's some different things you kind of have to coach you have to watch for um a legal man downfield so uh our offensive line can't get too far upfield um and then you obviously have to be able to read read it out as a quarterback like okay this is this is the person I'm keying on depending upon what he does will be if I I give it or pull it and run it or pull it and and, and throw it out there. So I think it'll be, it'll be super interesting uh, watch, but I feel like this is going to be overall as a whole is going to be a little bit, a little bit more similar to kind of what Iowa has done in the past, just adding, you know, maybe, you know, one or two more steps to bring it more into the year 2020
0: we've seen so many teams that implement the RPO ba- based system. And one thing that I, I've talked about a lot this week, I, I think some people misconstrue when they hear an RPO and they think of a running quarterback and they think of, you know, you got to be a Lamar Jackson to do those kind of things. I, I go back to 2019 and what Minnesota did with Tanner Morgan at the quarterback, not a runner by any means, but it was an RPO based system and it was great running backs. Iowa definitely, we feel like has that the stable of running backs that they have and then very simple looks. I mean, how many slant routes did you know? Atman Bell have that year, and, and Rashawn Bateman. It just felt like they get eight yards anytime they wanted on one of those slant routes if if they got the right key in that read there. And with Cade McNamara at the quarterback position, if he's back healthy, it feels like something that would go very well with his strengths. I mean, just what a cerebral player that he is. The accuracy in those short and intermediate throws, I think, is something very good. And, and that's where my excitement level goes. Is I think this is something that works. The big question, though, LaShawn, you were inside the building. Is Kirk willing to give the autonomy needed to make that kind of change? It's not immense. We're not talking about going the spread here and chucking around 60 times a game, but it is a change. Could Can you see Kirk at 68 years old saying, yes, we need to make these? Not wholesale changes, but we need to make certainly more than just a tweak.
1: You know, it'd be interesting. Um, like, if you asked me this, you know, Coming out of Iowa back in 2017, I've been like, absolutely no shot, <laughs> <laughs> no chance, no chance. Um, but, you know, the years 2024, um, the way that the offenses are, I mean, even just from, you know, seven, eight years ago, it's, it's it tremendously different. And the way that the way defense is played, it's, it's a lot different nowadays than, than it was back then. And I think you, you kind of have to give up a little bit of your, your control on, on that offense. If you want to, to be able to, to grow it and really take the next step. And a uh, thing with that is you're, you're going to have to get in the gun a little bit more and not just get in the gun to to throw the ball, right? You have to be able to get in the gun. You have to be able to, to run the ball consistently out of the, the gun. And that's something that Iowa hasn't done a ton of um, over the since really since I've been, you know, involved with the program, it just hasn't been something that we've done. It's been a lot of you know under center runs when we do run the football, or if we're in the gun running the football, it's a lot of times it's some type of draw play or it's just some some wide type of sweep. So it'll be interesting to see how much uh, freedom that <laughs> Coach Ferentz gives uh, <laughs> Tim Lester to be able to to do his thing because um, see he's an offensive coordinator, he's had he's ran systems before and. Although, yeah, they're not going to stray very far away from the traditional Iowa offense, right? As you mentioned, it's not going to be an air raid offense. You're not full spread going four wide every single play. Like that. Like that's not going to happen. But, you know, there are things that they can do, you know, maybe out of, out of a 12 personnel or even a 21 personnel out of the gun, right? And um, being able to improve the run game there to then help you open up the those RPO opportunities and open up those quick game opportunities um, when you have them. because hey as we've seen it in the past it hasn't been something that we've been very good at with when it came to, when it comes to the quick game um on early down and distance or you know being able to put ourselves in a position on third downs where we're in third and medium versus you know third and long because we you know we get stuffed twice on on two run plays and now we're in a we're in a tough spot so yeah i think it'll be interesting to see how coach fairness allows to Lester to really kind of do his thing, and I'm hoping that he does do it. I'm Hoping that he gives an opportunity, like, hey, this is this is where this is the things that we can do, and we can do it well. Because as you mentioned, right, like you, you said, the the quote about how Coach Ferris says how uh, Coach Davis learned how to be, a, you know, coach at Iowa. You know, who knows? Maybe if you, if this mm-hmm. gets off to a, to a better start, maybe it ends up being something where you know you, he kind of lets him do his thing a little bit more. Um, versus, yeah. you know, him just having his entire constraint
0: on long so You know, and it, it's, Kirk's willing to adapt. We've seen that plenty of times. There has been adaptation, and he gets, for some segment of the fan base, uh, this, you know, just curmudgeon that's never going to change anything, but we've seen that. We've had historical evidence that he absolutely will. Uh, you brought up one, one thing that's really interesting. You talked about 21 personnel. I would love to see that. We know the depth of the running back spot. All right, you got three guys at all certainly showed high levels of play over the last year at the uh, three guys, two true, true freshmen that played this season with Washington and Moulton. You bring in Brevendahl, you bring in uh, Xavier Williams, you bring in both those guys. So you got seven running backs here and all of them well, want playing time. All of them, I think are confident that in their ability to be a big 10 running back, you go with that 21 personnel, even 22 personnel. Um, I think there's something there. I, I I'm hopeful that Tim Lester kind of sold what you can do while coming into the 21st century offensively and what we see in college football. I think there's something there. What would be the difficult nature, though, of going more 21, even 22 personnel? What, what would make that difficult to to do with what Iowa wants to do? Or is that something, well, you're running back. Of course you want to see that, I, I would guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd love to see it for sure. Um, you know, doing it out of, so what makes it a little bit different doing it out of out of the gun versus doing that type of thing, like under center, it's just really the, the location where you put that that second running back, whether it's a running back or a fullback, how you, how you actually, you know, use them and um, to make it. So where they just don't constrain the box and make it so you can't run the football at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 you have to be a little bit creative, but you don't have to do anything, you know, too drastic teams run you know 20 more personnel out of uh, you know the gun all the time. Um, Pistol. Yep, pistol is usually more common way that they yeah. that they do it. I mean, especially if you watch, if you watch NFL, you watch the Ravens. They do that a ton. Um, and they uh, they didn't do it a ton this past Sunday, but that's a totally different conversation for another yeah. day. <laughs> <Okay>. um, but <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like you, you have to be a little bit creative with it. But with that though, you can get a little bit, you can get a lot more creative with how you use those guys out of the backfield, especially in the passing game. Now mm-hmm. you can you can utilize. Um, you know, both the running backs, whether you, you do it in, in pass protection or you use it with some type of option routes and give them more abilities there. And, you know, running backs, just like tight ends, are easy for quarterbacks to get the ball out and get the ball to them. And if you add a little bit more creative creative ability with that and having, you know, both both running backs in the backfield. And, and I know uh, Coach Brian did that a little bit. Um, if you, you go back probably like, you know, two or three years, you watch Iowa Office, they did a little bit. They haven't done as much. Uh, recently but you know there's there's just more variety that you can do and say you, you know you bring 21 personnel but you got a guy who's essentially like a third down running back that you can move to receiver because now a lot of times teams will will either try to match your your personnel offensively and if they don't match it now you've got an advantage um you know in the run game and uh, and then if they do try to match it uh I mean, if they do try to match it, right? You got advantage in the run game, and they don't have they don't match. now you have advantage in the passing game, where hey, I can move these guys and put them put one of the running backs in the slot. I can pull them out wide. I can do all these different types of things um, with that. So I think it's really just how much autonomy that they get that Tim Lester is, is granted, and if he's granted that autonomy, I think it really does. Open up a lot of the different things that Iowa can do offensively, especially because, again, I'm not the amount of talented guys that we have in that running back room is going to be a big piece of of the offense. And I think it's going to help open up more things, more opportunities for for the, the receivers.
0: I think we're talking into ourselves into a little excitement here. We'll see if it happens, obviously, and (laughs) and we get to spring football. We'll know a little bit more, but I I think we're getting there. We're going to talk a little bit more about the offseason as we ramp our way up to spring practice. What's it like for a football player inside the walls of Fort Kinnick and getting ready during the cold winter months before spring football? We'll talk about that. Plus a little hoop stock as we continue. This is Locked on Hawkeyes. Back with you one final time on the lockdown Hawkeyes podcast Trent Condon Lashawn Daniels with you thanks for making lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day off season LaShawn, I mean it was bad right I mean you getting up cold 5 a.m 4 a.m I don't know how early you guys had to get up it just sounds brutal
1: yeah it's it's, it's not a fun time especially like for your freshman like your freshman year you're always in yeah. that in that uh 6 a.m group and that's just it's not a it's not a good time not a good time so I learned my lesson after, you know, my my first year and I made sure that I was in uh either I think it was 7 30 or the 9 a.m. groups because yeah, that that early was, was not for me, not at all. Um, because and then especially like when you're a freshman, uh so I didn't have a car or a moped. And oh. so like I'm getting up 5, five a.m. I'm making the trek, you know, through usually uh you we would walk through the hospital if, if mm-hmm. um because usually they will, it would will be unlocked and you can cut through um but if you couldn't get in through there then you had to walk all the way around because obviously like the buses aren't running and so yeah. it wasn't 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 a fun time was not a good time at all and then you get you get there and now your workouts so you got you, like at least like for the first two weeks it's really the worst because um you, you get there, you do something, you do a quick, you do like a quick speed session. Um, then you go in the weight room and you're lifting. And you're doing heavy cleans. You're doing heavy squat, <laughs> heavy bench. It's just not a fun time. And then after that, um, you go into the conditioning part of it. And now you're doing, you're doing uh prowler pushes. You're doing tire flips, you know, the, 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 the cliche, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, football stuff, but it, it, you're like gas doing it. So, it, um, because again, you you've been off for a few or a couple of weeks, um, and now you're trying to get back into into that mode. So it's not not a not a great time. But we know it's all all, all good fun. We know it's all all part of the process. So you know you, you try to make the most of it.
0: It's a lot of work and going through that and and getting yourself right and and doing those things. And oh, by the way, then after you do that, you got to go to class. You got homework. You are still a student. Um, sometimes we forget about that part of it, that you still are going through all that uh, on top of it and and everything that goes along with it. Tough time, but uh, eventually, I mean, that's kind of makes what Iowa football is, what it is, right? And, and the work that you guys do in the off season to get to that point. Hey, before we let you go, LaShawn, uh, obviously we talk a ton of football with you, but I know you've been watching the women's basketball team, men's team, boy let another one slip away earlier this week against Indiana and there's been just too many of those it looks like it's certainly a rebuilding year for the men's team and uh they get ready for a matchup tonight against Ohio State got to get it just it's sad you know seeing carver for a men's game with talked to my uh, buddy yesterday that was at the Maryland game you know and announced attendance was <clears throat> i think 8500 i said what 6000 in there he said not only that not even that uh, um it just it's absolutely crazy and France had a lot of success. It just, it feels like this fan base is out. Haven't got that run to the second weekend and people aren't showing up. They're showing up for wrestling and women's basketball, but not the men.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's super, super frustrating. Um, It's just super frustrating because again, like they've had, the the men's team has had some really good opportunities with, you know, superstar players that, that are, you know, playing professionally over the past, 5 years now yeah. like you guys have they've had some really really good players and the fact that you haven't been able to make that jump right to to the second round and that's been i think frustrating for the fan base um it doesn't help that you know the the, the times that the games are during the week right i heard that from uh, i think brandon I said that yesterday mm-hmm. or a couple of days ago um like like i like i understand that for sure but you know if if the, if the men's team were as, as good as the women's team um, yeah. in terms of the, their conference, right? People, people would show up, people would show up. Yeah. And um, I think, I think that's, that's really the deal, man. And it's, and it's super frustrating for, for the players. Uh, I'm sure it's it was frustrating for the, for the coaches. You know, you, you, you wish that things were different, but Hey, the only way that you're going to be able to make that difference is if, you know, you, you, you check it up with the, with the play on the court. So, you know, it's frustrating for them, but Hey, if, if you want people if want the people to show up, Hey, he you gotta win, and you gotta win often. So um, I think that's that's really the deal there. I mean, hey, you look at the Iowa football. I know I was basically a football school now, but mm-hmm. hey, we win a lot, right? People show up. Yep. I think yep. you know it, the the Iowa the Iowa show up, and you know if, if the men's team were better,
0: people people would come to the games. Women, everybody's showing up there. Well, you save money not going to the Northwestern game. You save it up to go back home to Ohio. The women make a run to the Final Four and go to Cleveland. <laughs> I, I think i told you my sister lives in Cleveland now. So, and, and her husband, yeah, he's an Ohio State grad, so I got to deal with that all the time. But that aside, uh, we're yeah, we've already made plans. That if it happens, we're going to go back out there. I was there with my daughter a year ago down in in Dallas. You, you have a chance to go back home then if, if that happens. Start saving up that money because I'll tell you the ticket prices whew, they're going to be pricey.
1: Believe me, I'll be yeah. I think I I, I think I would definitely make a trip. Um, you know, up there. I mean, if they're they're in there. Like the way that, hey, the way and especially the way that they've been playing this year, especially the way that Caitlin's leading the team and, you know, some of the other uh players are stepping up. Hey, they they got they've got a really good opportunity. So um yeah, they've been super fun to watch the entire season. Um and yeah, hopefully they can go ahead and make that deep tournament run. That'll be an exciting, exciting time.
0: They get Maryland coming up. That'll be on Big Fox, which is just absolutely crazy in its own right. Uh, We've seen that already this season with the Indiana game at Maryland. Brenda Freeze, an Iowa native coaching, had a lot of success in Maryland. They're not quite as good as they've been some past years, but always a very physical team. Uh, They'll have certainly a different defensive game plan. They have some really good athletes that can try to slow down and double Caitlin and do those kind of things, but... Uh, We're seeing something we likely will never see again, LaShawn, in the rest of our life with this women's team and just the star power of Caitlin Clark. Hey, good stuff as always. Good catching up with you again. We'll get together again next week, and uh, we'll get some Super Bowl picks. How about that?
1: Ooh, let's do it. (laughs) I'm excited for it.
0: We'll continue breaking down what we like to see. Also, I I think we talked ourselves into some positives uh, with the hire of Tim Lester and what this could be and could look like. Of course, next week we will hear from Tim Lester in the press conference. We're LaShawn Daniels, Trent Cotton with you. LaShawn, we'll talk to you again next week.
1: Yes, sir. Sounds like a plan.
0: Go Hawks.